So as the children are dismissing there, we'll be opening up to our Bibles to the book of Romans in chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. You know, as we've been going chapter by chapter and verse by verse here through the book of Romans, uh, there's a lot of different sections we could say that the book of Romans has. You know, the first several chapters, we talked about how uh, we, we found out a lot of things about salvation. We saw how the whole world stands guilty before the Lord. Uh, we talked about how we found out that we are all sinners before him. We're in need of a Savior. We talked about uh, the blood and what that means to us, what it means to be saved. And then we talked about how during this time, there's a big transition going on between the book of Acts and Romans where you know, things were done according to the law, the way the Jews done things. But boy, now that Christ has come, he's died on the cross. And the Bible tells us that the Lord came to fulfill the law. And we talked about those things. But once we get to chapter 12, the Apostle Paul switches gears a little bit. He starts telling us some very, very practical things that we can live and that we can do day to day. He started telling us about how we ought to love our enemies and how we can even be uh, good in our business practices and how we can be ethical. And now he gets down to something even more nitty gritty that has to do with us, practically speaking. He starts talking about the government and what is exactly a Christian's job when it comes to his position in in a country. You know, we're Americans, and boy, and by the way, praise God. You know, I thank God that we were able to be in a country like this where we can worship God freely. There are places in this world that if you're caught with a copy of this book, you'll be thrown in jail. I mean, there are still places where people are beaten and killed for the things of God. So I am so thankful that we still have this opportunity. But what are our jobs when it comes to man's law? You know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, I don't want to say a gray area, but there's sometimes we have to look at the situation of things and, and weigh some things out. And we're going to be looking at, in these few verses here, starting in chapter 13, we're going to look at how a person knows when they ought to obey man's law, when they ought to obey God's law, what happens when they contradict, what happens if there really is no answer. Because sometimes that happens, and I'll show you what I mean. Let's just first start with God's word. That's where our answers are. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll look at, uh, look at our points here, starting in verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he that beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Our Father, Lord, again, I pray that you would ask us to understand this passage as you would have us to understand it. 
Lord, speak to us through your word very clearly tonight. And may once again, we just seek to honor you in all that we say and in all that we do. Help us to put you first. Lord, we certainly love you. For it's in your name. Amen. So here's the big question. You know, there's a lot of people that would say, hey, you know, this is, there, there's man's law. And man's law, that's, boy, that's just nothing. There, there's nothing to that. I am subject to a higher power. I am subject to the things of God. Well, folks, that's, that's good and that's true. But, you know, God also tells us that we ought to obey the laws of man as well. Now, does that mean that God is also telling me no matter what kind of man's law ever gets put in front of me, I ought to obey man's law? I don't think it's quite telling us that either. And if we understand our passage correctly, it's going to give us some insight as to when those two are a little bit different. You know, folks, there's some times where man's law, just like man does with everything else that started off sacred, they mess it up. Man gets things wrong. I mean, we've, we've seen that. When you study history, and I know I've referenced this quite a bit, but when we look in the history of uh, World War II and communism, socialism, these things, and we see just how far man can take their own power and just how far they can push things in the name of it being good, we see just how far man can deviate from God's law. And in a situation like that, then we would absolutely say, no, that's wrong. And on that same note, I believe sometimes it is the job of a person of God to say, no, that's, that is wrong. It is okay when something is against God's law to say that that is wrong. That's, and furthermore, it's not just okay, that's right. That's good. We ought to do that. There ought to be those voices. So what we are going to understand here, though, is this. In verse number one, it says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Folks, if you study your history, during this time period when Paul was preaching, the emperor of Rome, book of Romans, who he's writing to, the leader of that time was that evil, wicked man named Nero. This guy who was actively seeking, killing, and murdering God's people. This was a bad, evil guy. And now during this time, Paul is writing, be subject unto the powers that be. How does that work? Because he's already, the, the, the people that are reading this letter, they're thinking about their leader. And if they're reading this, they're going to be thinking, how in the world am I supposed to do something like that? You know, how can I be subject to this guy? Well, I think my mistake the first time I read this verse, my mistake was this. I started looking at the individual people and who they were and their mistakes as well. That's not what the Bible is talking about in verse number one. And I'm going to prove that to you. In verse number one, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. First off, when you read just that one sentence, it doesn't tell us what powers it is. We know all power comes from God in heaven. That's where final authority is. Always. It always it begins and ends with our God in heaven. But then it continues and says, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, does that mean that every person that ends up in authority was placed there because God put them there? And I have to be very careful how I say this because I do believe absolutely that God is in control and he can have his sovereign will in anything that he wants. But at the same time, we have to understand in our, in our country today, the way our government works, we vote. We have a choice. 
we have a say. And folks, when we look in the Old Testament, when man, when they choose to lift somebody up and put them there, it didn't work out so well. I mean, you think about King Saul. Hey, that guy's head and shoulders above everyone else. He's a good choice. Well, we saw how well that worked out for him. Then the Lord said, no, let's put David in here. And that worked out a lot better. We see, so what is it talking about when it says the powers that be are ordained of God? Well, let's flip back to the time of Genesis. Roll it back, and I wanted to paint you this picture. When God created mankind, who was there? Adam and Eve. It was two people. You had one man, one woman. They were in the Garden of Eden. It was in a perfect place, perfect environment. There was no government. There was no civil law. It was God, and it was man. And that was it. Folks, that's, that's perfection. We know when God created this world, perfect. Nothing wrong with it. Well, then, of course, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They broke God's law. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And still, no government. It was man, and it was God. And then we see it continued on with that, that idea, that mindset for many years. There was no government. There was nothing set up at all. And then we see that man's heart started to turn evil and was wicked continually, the Bible says. Then what did God have to do? He said, okay, well, now I've got to destroy the world. There was a flood. And there was only one righteous man and one righteous family in all the world. And he built an ark and said, Noah, you and your family get inside the ark and I've got to destroy everything else. The Bible says it was all tainted, every bit of it, just evil, wicked. So he, he'd done that. He destroyed the world. And then when Noah came out in chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis, God began to set up a governmental law. And then furthermore, we start to see now there begins to be this, this structure, this idea of, of organization. And then again, just like man, the way they mess everything else up, they said, hey, we're going to come together as a group and we're going to rise up higher than God was anyway. And that's when they built the Tower of Babel. So the very first government that ever was, they ended up messing it up anyway. So they set up that. They built the Tower of Babel. God ended up scattering them. And then from that time forward, then we see the institution of government. Folks, where does government come from? It comes from God. He's the one that gave us that. Just like we have a husband, a wife, we have a home, that comes from God. He gave us that. God was the one that had us organize ourselves. And then we see the way he even gave the law to the nation of Israel. Man, he set them up. He's the one that gave them those laws. The book of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, they based everything they did off of those books. That was their law. So the Bible, what it's giving us in verse number one, let every soul be subject unto the higher power. For there is no power but of God. That's where it comes from. The powers that be are ordained. They are set there. They are set up from God. The fact that we have government comes from God. So do I believe, understanding, understanding the scripture that way, do I believe that God put Hitler in power so that all those Jews could be murdered? Probably not. Because I also believe that there are evil forces in this world. I believe that we are in a sin-cursed world. I believe sometimes a sin has its way much more than we would like to believe. I believe that sometimes sin leaves its scars on the face of society more than any of us really realize. And that being said, that being understood, sometimes wicked men still get their way. 
But powers in general, these, these systems, these governments, they are set up because of God. Therefore, verse number two, whosoever therefore resisteth power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's why the Lord is now able to set us up in verse number two. He's saying, hey, look, anyone that just, that they're this kind of person that wants to be uh, naturally against government. Man, they're anti-government. They're willing to, to fight against anything that's set up above them. They're wanting to overthrow things. Well, naturally, they're ones that are causing problems. That's not the way that God would want us to be. Hey, if we would think for a minute that God is anti-government, then why in the world would he set up the throne of David? Why in the world would he give him a king? Why in the world does he have a throne already ready for him to come and sit on? Folks, that's, that's what God's going to come back to. The Lord was never against government. The Lord is not anti-government. And that's what Romans 13 is talking about. It's talking about these people that are so against any kind of organization. They're so uh, against having powers over them. It's not up to us to want to resist those things. See, and he tells us, uh, verse number three, what the purpose of that government is. For rulers, see, now he's talking about the people, the rulers. He's not talking about the power itself. He's talking about the individual rulers. For rulers are not a terror to good works. They're not here to, to do against good works, but they're here to be against the evil, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. Folks, any ruler that is in this position of leadership, he is subject to God as well. He is subject to God's law. And if he is doing the things that he ought to do, he is in that position to do good for the things of God as well. Uh, it's sad to say that a lot of rulers don't realize that. They, they don't realize that they are there in a position to do good for the things of God. But that's what the Lord has put them there for. So with these things in mind, let's look at a couple of different things. First, the source of all power comes from God. The source of all power comes from God. It shows us that in verse number one. For there is no power but of God. Folks, if we are ever going to obey any authority, let us first realize that God is over all. God is absolutely overall. We see that when he set it up back in Genesis 8, uh, 8 and 9. But also we're going to see that there's a purpose of this power. Folks, the Bible tells us that God, that everything he does, he does it decently and in order. When mankind is left to themselves, they're going to destroy things. They do. That's what they did. When mankind was left to govern themselves, that's when God had to destroy the world because they had everything messed up. So what God did is he set up these systems that we might have order so that we could have protection, so that we could have judgment, so that there could be punishment. Hey, think of this. If anyone ever has a problem with capital punishment, take them over here to verses number three through five. That tells us that's what the point of government is. Start here in verse number four. For he is the minister to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. Folks, that's the government. The government's going to bear the sword for that thing. If someone is doing evil, it's the government's job to bear that sword. Listen, the government is there to give us peace, to give us order, so that there could be judgment, so there could be law, and so there could be order. These are good things. Folks, that power absolutely has a purpose. But folks, the Bible furthermore tells us, starting in verse number 5, 
that we're supposed to obey those authorities. It says, and starting in verse number five, wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Notice that, they are God's ministers. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due. Folks, we owe the government tribute. You know, there was a, there's a passage in the Bible, I think it's over, in, uh, over Matthew or Mark. But there was a point when Jesus, he said, hey, look at that coin. Whose picture is on it? Well, it's, it's of Caesar. That's his. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. There is nothing wrong with, with paying taxes and, and being subject to our government and obeying these laws. Furthermore, as a child of God, Paul is saying, look, these systems are here because God put them there. Therefore, we ought to obey them and we ought to be subject to those things. Now, I said we was going to get to this, so I'd like to try to be as frank as I can about it. We are supposed to be obedient to this power. But if you flip back into the book of Acts, there's a point in time where in the book of Acts, Peter, he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. By the way, that's absolutely true as well. So we have to, when we, when we have these laws over us, we have to figure out, based upon God's word, what does God's word say and what does man's law say? And then we have to start weighing the two. We have to figure out which one is going to take, take precedence. Of course, God's law is always going to take precedence. But let's ask ourselves these questions. First off, we would say this. What happens when God's word agrees with God's law or with man's law? When they are in agreement, folks, that is good. That is what we want. We want man's law to be based off of God's law. You know, we live in a country where they say, hey, we have separation of church and state. We know that's, that could be a good thing because I don't believe it's the job of the government to tell me how I can come to church and pray. It's not the job of the government to tell me which Bible I'm supposed to read. It's not the job of the government to tell me what day I can go to church or where I can pray or, or, or who I can tell about the Lord. That's not the government's job. However, if you start reading some documents that, are, that was set up when our government was founded, that was supposed to be a one-way wall. The Bible was also supposed to affect our government. The government was never supposed to affect our Bible. So we do believe that it's okay that laws should be based off things from God's word. So these are good things when they agree. The Bible talks about paying our taxes. The Bible talks about uh, not murdering, right? Not stealing. The, you know, where do those come from? God's word. That's why we have those to begin with. That is good. That is what we want. But then sometimes things start getting gray and murky when God's word doesn't give us an answer. You know, there are some times that, that we'll see things in government that, that we'll have opinions, we'll have ideas that really we don't have any Bible to back it up? Sometimes that happens. I mean, uh, think about this. There was, as best as I can tell, there was no such thing as a democracy in God's day. There were kings. There were emperors. There were lords. There were rulers. That was it. And that's the way the Bible was written. That's the way it was set up. There was no such thing as, as a, 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 a nationwide vote to the best of my knowledge. Again, I could be wrong there, but to the best of my knowledge, there wasn't one. So when we start looking at our government and, and there's going to be some kind of bill voted on, and now I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, boy, what's, what's going to be right and what's going to be wrong here? And then I start looking at my Bible and, and I'm trying to find a principle. 
Sometimes there are principles that we can find that we can apply and say, hey, that's good or, oh, no, that's not good. But what if I can't? I'll give you a couple silly ones. Uh, there, there's a town over in Iowa I was visiting once. And I was riding along a car with a preacher. And this preacher, he looks at me and he says, uh, he says, here in this town, if you don't, one, keep your grass green, they'll come and give you a ticket. I'm thinking, really? He said, yeah, they'll give you a ticket. And based off of where I grew up, that's just, that's unheard of. I was outside of, uh, outside of the city, outside of the county. And then he said, yeah, on top of that, if you don't mow your grass, they will have someone come to your house, cut your grass for you, and then put a lien against your house for the bill. I'm thinking, what? I mean, that's, that's nuts. I'd never heard of such a thing. And then when I heard that, I thought to myself, yeah, the first time that happens, I'm going to dump salt in my yard, and they'll never see it green ever again. That's, you know, I know that's bad, but that's, that's the way I think sometimes. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's just, that's ridiculous. How is anyone going to tell me what to do with my land? And then I think, okay, what is God's word going to say about that? I mean, is there anything biblically that I can say is right or wrong about someone telling me to keep my grass green? Not that I can think of. I mean, you, you might could find some kind of principle somewhere. No, I can't think any offhand, but you know, I can't, I, I can't pull a principle out of God's word to say that's right or that's wrong. I mean, think of another one. Our speed limits. Hey, they're good. They keep us safe. But can you give me a principle based off of God's word as to why that should be a law or as to why that shouldn't be a law? See, I raise up these things here that seem kind of, kind of silly and maybe kind of petty on some levels, you know, when we consider murder and those things. The Bible, it's not really giving us an opinion on those things. There are so many laws that, that are on our books, things we've never even heard of. I've actually got a book about dumb laws. You ever seen these books? Like, you know, uh, uh, you're not allowed to wear t uh, tank tops on a Tuesday during the month of December or something. I mean, there are some crazy laws out there on the books that never get enforced. And so some of these things, when the Bible is silent, folks, we also have to be silent. Let that be, when, when it comes to things of God's word, when the Bible is silent, we also ought to be silent. When it comes to God's word, doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. Hey, I mean... You know, if someone cuts my grass for me and sends me a bill when I didn't want to do it, then, you know, hey, that might make me upset. But still, when God's word is silent, I ought to be silent. I can't say that that's, you know, that's absolutely right. That's a sin against God. Hold on. Is it in God's word? Can I prove that? You know, is God really that upset about something like that? So when God's word is silent, folks, uh, we also ought to be silent. You know, when it comes to these things of uh, all these little minute votes. But I will say... There are some things that the Bible tells us that we ought to be dogmatic about. There are some things that we ought to say, this is absolutely right. This is absolutely wrong. Hey, our freedom of religion. Folks, let me tell you what. I, I would like to say that I would be willing to lay down and die for that one. You know, I've never been in that situation, but I would like to say that. Because no one can tell us, as children of God, no one can tell us how to worship our God. The only person that can tell us that is God himself. That's it. Hey, Paul was thrown in jail for that one. There were disciples murdered for that one. Folks, that's something we ought to be willing to lay down and die for. So when it comes to God's word, disagreeing with man's law, then it is our job. It is our mandate to stand up for the things of God instead. It is our job to stand up for those. Uh, for example, sometimes, 
And I think most of us agree, uh, disagree with some of the things the government does here. Sometimes we disagree with things that the government allows. You know, we talk about abortion. And we see the, you know, we, we see the scourge that that has caused in our society. You know, we see the, the rampant, rampant use of, of drugs and alcohol throughout our country. And this is one of those things that, that, again, as a Christian, I could say, these things are wicked. These things are awful. But my government's going to take a completely different stance. Here is where my government and I are going to separate. We're going to be different because my Bible says one thing and they're going to say something else. It is okay for me to call something sin when the Bible says that it's sin. I don't give a rip what Washington says. This is what my Bible says. Folks, this is where we ought to stand. It is okay for us to do that. Furthermore, when those things happen, when they allow things that are bad, I can voice my opinion. I can say what the Bible says. I can preach the things that God's word says. I can stand up for what's right. But then when the Bible, or excuse me, but then when man starts to force things that are wrong, well, then that's going to, that's going to cause some action. You know, there, there have been times where, where people, they'll talk about ethically speaking. Hey, what if, what if your government tells you that, um, and again, I go back to the Holocaust. You know, what if your government tells you, oh, this, this person that worships this way, they're, they're a lower class of person. They're, they are not worthy of even eating at your table. You know, and they would take these men. They would take, folks, there's a book. I've not read it yet. And, and, and maybe one, one day I'll get the chance. It's called Ordinary Men. And I've just, and maybe some of you have read it. It's the story of these men that were sent in to be police in Poland when, uh, towards the end of World War II. And when they went in to be at these positions, they were just, just that, ordinary men. But it goes through their physical and psychological journey of being someone that was just an ordinary guy. Hey, he was your neighbor. He would cut his grass. He would meet you at the ball field. He went from that to wearing a uniform, to being someone that would drag people out in the streets and shoot them for their religion. And it would go over the journey that, that they were forced into by their government. Folks, when something like that happens, when men push things that are wicked, when men say, you will do this, it's going to be forced upon you. You do this or you suffer the consequences. It may be a tough thing to do, but it's up to us to stand up for what's right. And I pray that I would be willing to stand up for what's right during those times. You know, we, we've never been put there. And by the way, thank God we haven't. That's why we can thank God we live in a country like America where we're free. Well, we can worship the way we ought. We can say the things that we believe. We can stand up for the things the Bible tells us. So folks, at the end of it, what is this scripture here teaching us? Ultimately, there are two things. We know there's man's law and we know there's God's law. God's law will always be at the top. No matter what, God's law is always at the top. I will obey God over men, period. However, what Paul is telling us in chapter number 13 He's saying, look, the reason that there are governments, the reason that there are leaders, the reason that there are rulers, it's because God put them there. God's the one that gives us these systems. God's the one that, that gives us this organization. So if you're going to be someone that's, that's rebellious and always against those, well, then you're bucking against the system that God set up in the first place. So he's saying we ought to obey these laws, obey the powers that be. Render, therefore, to all your dues, tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Folks, we ought to offer up those things. Folks, thank God for our country. 
Thank God for America. Let's pray for them. Listen, it's a nation that's run by wicked and sinful men just like me. They're wicked and sinful men, again, both hands, just like me. They're not perfect. So it's our job to pray for them. Ask God to help them. Ask God to make them the right, you know, to help them to make the right decisions. You know, when mankind is left to themselves, they're going to mess up. That's why we talked about back over there before government. There was just a bunch of men running around doing their own thing. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and they were wicked continually, the Bible says. So, folks, let's thank God for the things that be. And as we talked about last week, it's our job to live peaceably with all men until we can't. We live peaceably with all men until we can't. So, folks, I know that this kind of message is one that's a little bit different tonight. And as we said, Paul, here in these next few chapters, he's putting a lot of things into some, into some very practical shoe leather, we would say. So let us understand this. Our powers, our governments, they're there for good. They're there for the purpose of good. While some men mess it up and they do things they ought not, the idea of it comes from God. And we ought to thank him for that. And we ought to obey those powers as much as we can until they go against the things that God has taught us. Folks, God's law always comes first. So if we could, let's just have every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we certainly love you. We want to lift up your name. We want to thank you. We want to honor you for all the things that you've done for us. Lord, I realize when we look at some things like this in your scripture, it's some things that's very practical, and we look back at some of the men that that were faced with these situations that we talk about. Lord, there were men in, in your word, there were men in the Bible, there were men throughout history, there were men throughout our Christian history that had to lay down their lives for the things that they believed. Lord, I pray that you would solidify these things in our own hearts. Lord, I pray that if the time ever came that I had to stand up for the things that I believed, that you would give me the courage and the peace in my heart to be able to go on as those men that went on before us have. Lord, again, I thank you for our government. I thank you for America. Lord, I'm th so thankful for a country like this where we are free to worship the way that you would have us to. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to waste that opportunity. Help us not to look at it and just, Lord, ignore it, to take it for granted. Lord, what a wonderful, blessed thing it is. Father, thank you for it. So, folks, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, we just offer at this moment what we call this time of invitation. You know, maybe the Lord has done something in your own heart. I don't know what it would have been tonight. But if there's business you need to do with your Lord, this is your time to do that with him. As the song quietly plays, is there something on your heart? I know sometimes in my own heart, it's so easy for me to want to have that spirit of rebellion, that spirit of doing my own thing the way I want. Very rare are the occasions that, that those times come. But when they do, and if it does in our lifetime, let's ask that God would give us the peace and the grace and the courage to stand up for what's right.
Our Father, Lord, again, we just want to praise your name and thank you for all that you've done. Lord, what a wonderful day it's been. Lord, what a wonderful opportunity it is to be able to come to your house. Lord, to be able to come to a place like this on a Wednesday night, to just be able to learn of you and to speak of you. And, and Lord, to pray and to talk to you freely. God, thank you for that. Thank you for our freedoms. Thank you for our men and women that have laid down their lives so that we could have that freedom. Lord, help us to never take it for granted. God, again, we love you. I pray you'd help us to honor you and to glorify you all that we say and do. And as we go our separate ways, Lord, just keep us safe and keep our eyes focused on you above all. For it's in your name we pray and in your name we ask it. Amen. Okay, well, folks, thank you so much for coming out this afternoon. Uh, like I said, now that the, uh, the service is all finished up, we've got some dessert here in the back. So feel free to uh, stick around and load up on as much sugar as you want. I'm sure there's going to be plenty. So, folks, love you guys, care about you, and we're dismissed.